of Sessions with Mary Jane. I am one of your hosts, Jordan Freed. I am your other host, Rena Ezra. And I am Brendan O'Brien Ezra Freed. <laughs> and uh, we are LNH Studios right now. Um, and we are uh, here with a very, very special guest today. Uh, it is about to get very uh, political in here. Uh, <clears throat> we're about to get very New Jersey in here. Uh, so welcome to the show, uh, lawyer, politician, uh, candidate for uh, political office, Hector Oseguera. Thank you. A pleasure to be on, and thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's an honor. Let's get green. Here. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, for those who aren't familiar with uh, Hector's background, he uh, was running against the incumbent Alberto Sears. Yeah. Albio Sears. Albio Sears. <laughs> yeah. Um, who's been around forever, but now he is out, right? He is retiring this year. Um, I'll take credit for that. <laughs> uh, how was that, uh, running up against somebody who's been in the system for so long? Right. And thanks for asking that because like it was really the experience of a lifetime so i have a lot of history with albio actually because um he was the mayor of west new york new jersey which is my hometown mm -hmm. um I, that's where i grew up his wife was very involved in the board of education in new jersey uh if you're gonna be an aspiring politician in new jersey the Board of Education is like your farm system. So if you're going to be a powerful politician, they come up through the educational system. And so his and then they give all these high paid jobs to their wives. So his mm -hmm. wife was like the guidance counselor of all the schools when I was a kid. And so I knew him from like uh, from when I was like a little, little kid, like six, seven, because he was the mayor of my town. And there were always stories about how things went down the police department of west new york had to be disbanded while he was mayor because they were caught um running numbers for the cuban mafia um the the cubans are very heavy in that part of new jersey and so you know it was it was a cool experience it was definitely like going rage against the machine like because the entire political establishment had turned against me and like i to this day am persona non grata with a lot of those people Wow. Yeah, wow. So that kind of uh, brings us to your challenge, which is a, a big part of Sessions oh, with yeah. Mary Jane, is we have our guests do a challenge in the background just to keep the conversation flowing if it gets a little dull and we're a little sleepy <laughs> on our end at any point. Um, but uh, we just want you to uh, name some Jersey politicians along the way. Uh, you could give your, give your thoughts on them if you want or whatever you may feel, but uh, you could get zero. We've had people get zero, and I think the record right now for 2022 is like 32, four, I think. 32 or something like yeah. that. For 2021, it was 104. Four. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, but they had a different category. They had to name strains of weed, so it was very yeah. fitting that that was the top. They're deserving of the title. Yes. Yes. I, could get, I could get high up there, but not to 104. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, but you would be the new champion of 2022, yeah. you know, wherever you went, so. And you can interrupt so, at any time. So, okay, so New Jersey politicians. We're going to start with Don Norcross, Cory Booker, um, I will go with Frank Haig, Steve Fulop, Brian Stack, yeah. Albio Sierras, Bob Menendez, <laughs> Bob Menendez Jr. Um, yeah. I could go forever. Um, Gabriel Rodriguez, Wayne Zitt, um I'm just going local now, but let's go statewide. We could go to Tom Malinowski, Josh uh, Gottheimer, uh, Mikey Sherrill, uh, Connie uh, Watson Coleman, um wow okay so just starting at our guests our, guests our fans are a bunch of stoners and they're like all right this guy knows his stuff we, we don't know any jersey politicians but uh, this guy this guy definitely is versed we have vetted him at the door yeah. <laughs> yeah. well when did you first become interested in politics uh and what got you interested in it so okay and that's a real interesting question because like i grew up in like this urban environment where like it's a lot of poor people a lot of immigrants and i guess i was always sort of just like curious as like why why are my neighborhoods like this and other neighborhoods are very much not like this because 
um, I would travel, I would go around and, you know, I guess I saw the suburbs eventually and I was like, you know, my neighborhood looks nothing like this. Mm. And I guess I started getting curious as to like why certain neighborhoods are some ways and certain neighborhoods are, are other ways. And that led me towards the road to economics, which I studied in college and then ultimately to politics. And so um, I just, that's kind of what got me interested in leftist politics is like going up to Boston where I went to college and like just sort of like learning that there were other dynamics, that there were other ways of looking at the world, that there are other political systems out there. Uh, And I just sort of like wanted to, I always had this question of like, who really is in control of things? And I guess that's what took me to politics. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, So you studied at Boston University, right? Yeah. Indeed. Um, so that was, when did you go to school? Was that like around Dur- the financial yeah, during crisis? During the same time as a, a certain congresswoman. Oh, also, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was also curious about that. Um, uh, for those who haven't, uh, connected the dots, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, you worked on her co- campaign and you also worked on Bernie's campaign, correct? Indeed. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Back in the day. Um, How are those experiences? It was cool, right? So, like, AOC, I didn't know her when I went to college, but when she started running, there were enough mutual acquaintances that I knew that she was a BU grad. I'm a year older than her, and so she was a year under me. And um, it was cool because it gave... I I have this tendency of, like, running into campaigns that I have a lot of hope in, and I want them to win, but I don't necessarily believe that they can win, right? Because, like, especially if you're a leftist, it's like, you put your heart and soul into a lot of campaigns and a lot of them just don't win, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's the sad truth of it. Mm -hmm. And so I was volunteering on her campaign and like when she won, it was just like the most amazing feeling in the world. It's Mm -hmm. like, wow, like those phone calls really did mean something, you know, like you write letters, you knock on doors and you send texts and you're like, wow, is this, is anyone on the other end of this, like even caring? And when she won, it was, I, I have the email saved to this very day of like, the New York Times called it and we won. And it's like, wow. Like, you have to print that a, out, frame it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I really want to. Yeah, That's wow. fantastic. And what about Bernie? Bernie was amazing too. It was like, it was like this whole big community. Like I've never seen the left more united than like when Bernie ran in 2015, 2016. Um, people just like were coming out of the woodworks. I've met so many people at random events, at random canvases that we still talk to this very day. And I I just think it was a great uniting experience for the left. So many different people, uh, like of the broad spectrum of the left were just like organizing together and it felt really good. Yeah, I'd say I'd say right now, like they're not too like too deep into like leftist politics. I'm definitely more more into well, like I'm on Twitter in that way. <laughs> we uh, have a Bernie Sanders bobblehead. We do have a Bernie Sanders. We both bobblehead. dressed up as Bernie, both of us as Bernie Sanders for Halloween. <laughs> Hardcore. Yeah. Um, but in in general, um, what do you think at this point, like looking at like the landscape of America with like COVID and everything that's going on right now, what do you think is like the direction that the country needs to go so that everybody comes into it? Like we do bring things back together and get to a point of unity. Like, do you think that is possible? Do you think there are strategies not being used enough? Like, where do you see that going? Yeah, and I do a lot of thinking in, like, that sort of area of, like, where do we go from here? Because I do think Bernie was, like, the lightning bolt, but, like, we got to keep that spark going. It's, like, it, it could it wasn't just, like, one person. And, and I feel like on the left, we're, like, waiting for, like, this messianic figure to emerge and to, like, bring peace and unity to the world. And, you know, the, the strategy that I've kind of, like, that's kept me sane since my campaign is turning more to local politics. Like, I think that local politics is really where it's at. I feel like the right wing sort of like has an edge up above us in that regard that they've sent people into like the board of educations and the zoning boards and the planning boards and like taking control of these really minute local issues that actually have a ton of actual real world power in your daily life. So I think that, where the left should go from here is like we need to get on our local politics game and start taking over city councils and start taking over like boards of education and stuff like that. I think that that because honestly, like as a leftist, my solutions are always going to be like grassroots building up towards the top. Like I think if 
if we're always going for Congress, if we're always going for the presidency, like we're going to continue to be disappointed. We need to build solutions from the bottom up and we'll be like building blocks that eventually lead to bigger and bigger solutions. Like, so that's my uh, hopeful uh, dream. And, and hopefully, honestly, like every day, I hope Joe Biden cancels student loan debt and like that will <laughs> definitely be great for the left. But until that happens, I'm focusing on the local stuff. Yeah, you said you were talking before about how uh, there's like this, this connection between politics and how like, the education board is kind of like the farm system. What like what do you what is the reason why there's such a like natural connection uh, or often connection between politics and you know institutions like the board of eds? So like on on a local level, the board of education sort of has a lot of say over what gets done in your schools. They have budgets that are often in the millions of dollars. And so when you're talking about a political establishment, especially like in New Jersey, they want to know if they can trust you. Mm -hmm. So they'll like put you into these little things. And like if you go the right way, they'll you'll eventually bubble up through that system. And maybe one day you'll get on the city council. Maybe one day they'll make you mayor. And mm -hmm. then maybe one day you'll get to sit in a Congress for 14 years and not do anything. <laughs> yeah. Is it frustrating at all? Like like being like within the, like, the system and trying to like navigate like how much do you go along with the way the system is? How much do you try to break the system? Like, is that something that you've kind of had to encounter in your, in your time? Yeah, absolutely. And, and honestly, it is really frustrating because the way that a lot of people come to politics is that they see an issue and they'll sort of be like, how can I fix this issue, right? And that's how it happens in New Jersey. But then you come up to your local boss and you'll basically be like, I have this problem and I'd like to solve it. Could I do something about this? But like, no, 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 no. <laughs> That's not how it works around here. Mm -hmm. Like, it's actually that way because we want it to be that way and you're not going to stop us. So honestly, from someone like me, you're always going to be on the outside of the system. They're never going to invite you in. You sort of have somebody who's like a young man and wanted to get involved sort of came to me and he wanted to know how to get involved right and he thought about it more like a job interview and he thought you know if i'm a really good candidate they'll evaluate me as a person and and maybe if i'm good enough they'll pick me right and i had to tell him that's really not how it works like this isn't a job interview this is more like gang warfare like mm -hmm. you have to pose a threat to these people you have to exercise power and then you, they have to be afraid of you exercising that power so you know, honestly, from for someone like me coming from totally outside the system, they're never going to accept me. They're never going to want me. They're never going to like what I have to do or say. And so we have to take it, right? Power doesn't concede power. You have to take it from them. And that's the only way that we're going to get anything done. If, if you try to play uh, nice with the establishment, they're more likely to co-opt you when you lose the support that you've built with people who thought that you were a legitimate person and they'll and they'll basically have made you weak and then they have nothing to gain from you anymore either so they'll just cast you aside hmm. yeah. so what have you been up to for the uh, midterm elections to make sure that uh people do get out in their local elections and know uh what the issues are and what they really need to uh be focused on like the school budget like the school board like little things that influence the future generations Indeed. So um, we just had local elections in Jersey City, municipal elections, and I was really involved with all the candidates running in all the wards of Jersey City. And so that helps us stay relevant on, on a regular basis. People know that you're not just here for election time. You know, in Jersey is a really weird state where we have an election literally every single year. So that presents someone like me opportunities every single year to get out there to be in front of the community. The big issue I've been working on has been ICE, um, Immigration Custom Enforcement. For your viewers who may not know, I was actually arrested uh, protesting outside of the county executive's home uh, on the issue of ICE. The case is still ongoing, even though they've gotten out of the ICE contract. So on a policy level, we did get a win on that one. Um, but they're trying to extract their pound of flesh by uh, dragging out this court process. Um, other than that... I've been focused a lot on the line. Um, the line is this ballot issue of how the establishment draws the ballot in New Jersey to make it so that the establishment always wins. Mm. And and really just touching base with a lot of different people statewide. Um, I'm good friends with the folks over at the Progressive Democrats of New Jersey, the Hudson County Progressives, the Working Families Alliance, and a lot of other labor organizers, uh, leftists who feed me information about what the machine is up to and just like put me in a good space to compete against 
any machine candidates that come up, whether it be, you know, the son of a senator or any other mayor who may want to exercise power in a way that I don't find totally legitimate. We're pushing back in every way, shape or form. Recently, we had a ward um, thing in Jersey City where the ward maps were being changed in a way that was basically gerrymandering on a local level. So I'm just touching base with people on, on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. Um, on the things that are happening in their communities and just trying to make sure that they know that we're in touch with what's going on with them. Yeah, Jersey City also, like, they're a great example of the housing, like, crisis that we have in America right now. Um, our, our real estate, uh, our owner, or, wow, well, I'm not, landlord. <laughs> our landlord is from uh, Weehawken Union City, so he's a good guy. But, like, there's a lot of people who are going into Jersey City, right, and all these places right now putting up luxury apartments in these places that people can barely afford apartments, and the rents just keep going up and up and up. New York City's Mm -hmm. rents are so high, even though COVID kind of kicked people out. I guess everybody just bumped up the rents because of inflation also. How do you see, like, relief coming? Is there no relief? Is the relief just move out further and, like, become localized in your areas and build communities as far away from expensive real estate as possible. (laughs) Right. So the housing issue is one that I've been really focused on Uh, in Union City, which is literally next door to Union City. I was able to get on the planning board where I fight for affordable housing on a very regular basis. Like Union City, thankfully, is a community that has remained a working class community. This is one of those places you're not getting priced out. A lot of the kids that I went to high school with have been able to buy homes in Union City, were born and raised in Union City. And so there are places where you can find uh, enclaves of working class people that have been able to, like, carve out a place for themselves. Unfortunately, Jersey City is looking really rough right now. The Kushners have a firm grip, um, Lafrac, and and all these uh, big real estate developers coming into Jersey City and really trying to import the rents of New York City into Jersey and you know, we have people organizing really hard on that issue as well. It's, it's hardcore, but we need legislators to pass things. We had uh, the moratorium, the eviction moratorium, stuff like that, I think is very helpful. But we got a long, long, long way to go. I was big on the tax abatements when I was running because tax abatements are this way of um, really giving extra profits to these real estate developers and moving up the prices of real estate and really pricing people out. So I'm, I'm watching that very closely. And it's one of those things I am worried about. I don't have a good solution yet, um, but we need to put people in elected office that are going to fight for working class renters. Yeah. Before we started recording, we were talking about uh, Jersey Pride and uh, just like the, the, the super Jersey uh, pride that comes from just like being born and raised here. So like, what is it about Union City or even like New Jersey that makes you like want to stay here and like care about fighting for it and like doing what's best for it? You know, I just find this place to be so welcoming. Like this is like my home and like I've been accused in life of having a bubble and my bubble is Hudson County. Like I could go anywhere in the world, but I always come back here to Hudson County. It's the food, it's the people. It's just like, uh, it's like being in a big city, but also in a small town at the same time Mm -hmm. of like people know each other, but there's like thousands of people. and And it's just like such a beautiful, like mosaic of people, food, culture, like everything in the world happens here. And, I wouldn't trade it for anything else. Like I, I can't help but love it here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess like that's like sometimes kind of going to Jordan's point before of, you know of you know there being definitely a conflict and like a lot of people fight. I think there definitely is like a void of people finding community, or at least it's like a, a lot harder for people to find community. So it's I guess when you when you do have it, you're like very appreciative of it, and you kind of just like want to like you know like support that as much as you can. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, you're in Hudson County, so that means you're staring at New York a lot. How do you feel about uh, Eric Adams taking over the city at this point? (laughs) (laughs) I saw it coming. I saw it coming a mile away, honestly. Um, I feel like we're having a return to like the 90s style politics of like 
barely Republican Democrats, you know, like the, basically the president is a Republican, yeah. Democrat, yeah. you know, yeah. so I, I see it coming and that's not a good thing because yeah. those policies were horrific and like austerity, tough on crime, all that stuff was horrific. So I just think that we have to like gear up and like know what's coming down the line because in a lot of ways, I feel like those sorts of politics led to Donald Trump. Right. So a reemergence of those politics are only going to lead to something even worse down the line. So I think that we have a huge fight in, in front of us. We have to mobilize against like that sort of like just barely Republic or ba- basically Republicans, except for social issues. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, it, it was tough, like growing up in New York, like my dad was a teacher. So like his entire career he was like unions they're they're against unions like it's it's all democrats it, like in office but like unions were getting killed in new york and like there wasn't great health care in new york either like always democrats in office how do you feel about new jersey in general do you feel like the local guys in jersey hook us up here do you think on the scale of like what can get done in america we're doing okay in jersey or what do you think needs to be changed here to get it to the point where it is like the uh, leftist place where people can uh, have their choice to get an abortion if they want to, the place where they can get a job that pays them more than seven twenty five at least? Yeah, right. So I think that that's one of the benefits of being such a blue state, right? Is that on certain policies we're we're gonna be protected no matter what, like. On, a woman's right to choose abortion the right to abortion is not going anywhere in new jersey uh the minimum wage is going up in new jersey we're not afraid of taxing people who earn over a million dollars in in a state like new jersey right those are good things unfortunately you still get a lot of those uh democrats who basically want to play both sides and and we have a lot of that in hudson county there there are a lot of Democrats in Hudson County who get conservative Republicans to vote for them hmm. at the general election. That happens a lot. Because Steve Sweeney, I think, was a good example of that. Until he got knocked out by that weirdo trucker guy. I'm not. I'm not sure if if, if we'll get into how far we can get into that story. But basically, um, this very conservative so Democrat. <laughs> <laughs> basically, Steve Sweeney was a super conservative Democrat. Like he he was against women's issues. He was against like economics on a working class level. And he got beat out by this like weirdo trucker guy who spent basically less than a thousand dollars on his campaign and so i think that that should be an example of like if you stray too far to that corporate democrat you're gonna lose because you can't have it both ways the republicans will say i i might as well just vote for the actual republican and and you've eroded your support with the democratic base so i kind of feel like getting younger people more involved and actually getting younger more leftist people into office will give people at the higher level the courage to say well you know i see the energy coming from these people so we can go a little more left on the policy so that's sort of like my main goal is getting more leftists at a more local level elected so that people at the state level at the federal level can say okay well i see a bubbling up from the local level so i can be a little more bold on the policy level because i i ultimately believe that most politicians are cowards (laughs) and like they're they're afraid of even stepping one foot anywhere near the line so if you move basically what you got to do is move the line Mm -hmm. is what i'm trying to do yeah do you think the idea of a third party emerging as like a like serious contender is a like an actual possibility and if so is that a good thing to have a third party emerge okay so it like in my like college level politics right like america should really have four parties and mm-hmm. in, in my ultimate belief is like we should have a true leftist party which would encompass your like bernie's your aocs you know you can throw a couple more people pramila jayapal into there then you would have your regular democratic party who would that be your barack obama's your hillary clinton's then you could have a regular republican party your lindsey graham's and your mitch mcconnell's and then you can have a far right party your trump's and your Crenshaw's and so I believe that if we had a real like democracy we'd probably have four if not more parties right um unfortunately in a state like New Jersey where you have like closed you have closed primaries so you have to be registered to a party to vote in the primaries unfortunately a third party would not 
be suitable for New Jersey. There are other states like California or Washington uh, where you have jungle primaries where you could be of any party and the top two vote getters go to the general. In a, in a system like that, you absolutely could have a third party, somebody from a completely separate party, um, come in and get the votes. But unfortunately, in a state like New Jersey, the best way to go about it would be to run a more leftist candidate or what would be a third party candidate through the Democratic Party, because essentially in New Jersey, it's like a one party state. Like there's not mm-hmm. there's literally not even the Republican Party. So unfortunately, the only electoral action that you get in New Jersey is in Democratic primaries or in municipal elections, which are nonpartisan. So you you technically, again, could be a third party type candidate, mm. but it doesn't make sense. It, it doesn't mean anything because the election itself is nonpartisan. So you'd have to have you'd basically have to open it to open. You'd have to have open primaries in New Jersey, which would be a change. And then you have to have jungle primaries um, where the top two vote getters, no matter what party they are, go to the general in a system like that. States like Washington, California, you definitely could get a third party. Unfortunately, like the the machine is so powerful in New Jersey that they they want to keep it this way because mm-hmm. they don't want a third party candidate emerging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What what's the deal with the Green Party and why are they all over the place? <laughs> yeah, you know that's the thing with the Green Party, and and I know a lot of people are super dissatisfied with the Democratic Party, and I totally understand. I understand people that are like, "Yo, I don't want to be involved with the Democratic Party." The the thing is that the Green Party needs to put numbers on the board, right? Like, if you could just put one, I, th- I think if they just put one person in Congress, that would be so much more useful than running somebody for president every four years. Because they, they keep saying, like, you know, they only need 5% of the vote to get federal uh, elections funding, right? 5% of the vote is a 20th of the way to victory. So, like, and they can't even yeah. get that far. They can't even get that far. Yeah. So I feel like if they chose a good congressional race, and, and they absolutely could, there are a couple weak candidates out there that they could take off and maybe run a good green party candidate a serious green party candidate and win in congress but until they put some numbers on the board i think it's going to be very hard for people to take them as legitimate because like republicans are more willing to vote for the libertarian party who also doesn't have any representation (laughs) than than leftists are to vote for the green party so i feel like they have a way to go what advice would you give, like, the younger generation, people who are, their interest in politics, people who are activist people who are, I mean, because they're, the, the kids, I, I, I'll say, I'll put a range for, like, the ones who are in, like, high school and college, because they're right now in a very, going to school during the pandemic, <laughs> because people thought it would last a few months, and it lasted right. a year, now two years, right. now three years, now we have another variant coming. So, like, the younger generation who really is developing in a very abnormal world, um, yeah, what would you, what would you tell them? My advice to the kids is that they're in this really interesting position where they are better suited to take control of the future than any generation because we're basically making it all up as we go along <laughs> in, in, in yeah. this post-apocalyptic hellscape, right? Yeah. So, uh, so I feel like there's a lot of fertile ground out there. I think that they should pick something that they really like, you know, something that they're super passionate about and just, like, go after that. This is a world of niche whatever. It's like, find your niche mm-hmm. and chase it and you know, I feel like if people chase money, they'll always be poor. Mm -hmm. But if you chase your passion, you'll be wealthy no matter how much you make, Mm -hmm. you know, because if if you just love what you do, and if you're happy with what you're doing, that's compensation in a certain way. And, And getting results out of that fight becomes a form of fulfillment. So I would tell the kids, find something you love and chase after it. And if any older person tells you that it's not worth your time, they're an idiot, and they'll never achieve anything. So chase your dreams. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. How how was it, um, or how do you think, besides the obvious stuff, but the effect the pandemic has had on, well, everything, but also, like, <laughs> your, like, communication to reach people, you know, for change in whatever level that is um locally or federally like you know what is 
has it, um, yeah, well, like, what has been done? Harm helped, like, you know? Yeah, I think a little of both, but I think that in, in some ways it's pushed us further as a society where I think that the digital world was coming and people mm-hmm. were kind of like holding it off and there's no holding it. It was like, it hit us like a river. Right. right and like, right. no matter what age group you are at this point, you got to be, have some degree of technical savviness. Right. So for a long time, there was a phrase that I like, and it's like the future is here. It's just not evenly distributed. Right. So some people are in the future and some people are in like the 1800s. Mm-hmm. And I feel like COVID kind of, bridge that gap to, to a significant degree where I think more, more people are living in that digital world than were living in pre-COVID, even though it wasn't that far ago. And even though mm-hmm. technology is not like technology took this hyper leap in the, next, in the last <laughs> two years, it's just that, you know, this is the way that we're communicating. I don't know if you anybody plays video games, but like there's this game called Death Stranding uh, that came out like before the pandemic and it's like uh, eerily prescient because it's like yeah. it's like this one guy who's like walking across a post-apocalyptic America trying to re-establish like connections between people because some crazy disease like separated people and people can't be around each other anymore so it was like really weirdly prescient oh but God. it's just like the best thing I think is like we've formed new connections in different ways and people are freaked out by it a little bit because it's so new but i think it's beautiful and i think it's sort of like the way that the world we were so afraid of taking this leap into the digital world and and now we're here yeah is there having said that is there something that you were just like not about that you don't want to know like a new you know a new app or whatever and you're just like no this is stupid i don't want to have to learn how to do this and you feel yourself <laughs> being like your parents i wish but i'm i organize with so many different people that i can't say no to whatever they wanted so True. discord True. slack yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm on li- I'm, i've downloaded so many apps in the last two years like <laughs> google voice like everything i'm i'm on so nah i can't i if anything, I used to be that way. I used to be like, nah, I don't want to create a new account. And like, no, I don't even care anymore. <laughs> uh, That's nice. Yeah. Do you find yourself drawn to watching, whether it's like movies or TV, things that are like a little more politically bent? Or do you kind of like use that as a way of like just getting far away and escaping from it when you're not, when you are just like sitting down watching stuff? I think it's a little both, right? So like, I definitely enjoy like political docs. Mm. And like, I watch a lot of documentaries, especially about like history. Um, there's there's so many cool political um, documentaries on YouTube that you can find like going down a rabbit hole. But then like, I like to tune out. So like, I, I my wife has gotten me onto Witcher. I don't mm. know if you guys watch The Witcher. Yeah. But like, it's super cool. I like stuff like that. So like, I like fantasy stuff, but then I always find myself somehow relating it back to politics. Yeah. So like I was watching Game of Thrones and I was like, this is basically Hudson County. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you think so, so in that example, like something like Game of Thrones, do you think that like people seeing that it does kind of I don't know, like make them think about politics differently or at least like become more aware of things they might not have? Because like I'm sure cause there's obviously a lot of people who when they see like any kind of thing uh like a movie or a show that's like very clearly political like something like vice right where it's like oh it's like really dick cheney and some people are turned yeah house of cards right where it's like you're being very overt about do you think people are are more inclined to to listen when they're putting kind of like a fantastical or otherworldly uh viewing experience absolutely i think like analogies are great teachers because like if if it's too in your face i feel like people kind of tune it out like yeah whatever but like um when you're when it's cast in this story and like you really feel what's going on you're like wow and then and then you're like wow that sort of reminds me of this fucking election <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i definitely think that like if you, if you give people like a good story and like you you just like give them the raw human emotions of it all like that helps tell a story more than like the sort of like technical stuff of like politics is like for, for a lot of people it's like kind of like boring like not every i i'm super into politics but not everybody is into politics and, and i totally get that but like i think you can teach people about politics through analogy so like i totally dig like finding the political angle of like things that are totally not political have yeah. you given thought to what your like fantasy 
slash political TV series would be? Like, what world would you create of your own? <laughs> oh, my God. I'm, I wish I were that creative, right? Like I, I said that to so many people. Um, it's like, I love art and, like, am, am so in awe of artists, but I wish I were creative enough to create art because <laughs> I totally don't have the time or the, like, brain power to like sit down <laughs> but i i would told if i had the time i totally would create some cool shit yeah is there a character in like video game movie or tv that you've seen that you've like that either like inspires you or kind of, that you kind of like relate to in a very deep way there there's a couple and honestly i'm gonna get so cheesy but like my favorite character that i think i relate to a lot and like kind of gives me hope is like spider-man yes yeah i dig peter parker so much because i feel like he's the classical tragic hero like he loves humanity and he wants to do the right thing so much but like god does not love peter parker (laughs) why does everything bad in the world happen to peter parker with with a heart of gold and i just feel like or Goku. Goku's another like <laughs> like my favorite hero because I just feel like you have a heart of gold and you just want to do the right thing. Is is the right thing always gonna happen back to you? Probably not. <laughs> but like as long as you, as long as you approach life with a positive outlook, it, and in the end it'll be okay. Yeah, I feel like definitely Peter Parker sort of has to make like the biggest sacrifices. I like I understand this is what we were talking about when we watched the most recent film. Yep. And then like you know not for to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it, but you should have seen it by now. Skip, skip two minutes ahead. <laughs> but like I because I understand other superheroes have to make sacrifices, but he's a child. Like right. to me, I'm like he's still a kid. He's in school. <laughs> like he should be having his youth. Right Right now in his childhood like he had to just sacrifice the biggest thing like what what were your thoughts on the most re- like do you have a top yeah. favorite spider-man film it was definitely the most recent one right same, and, and I, I and i've seen them all and i've been a huge fan I've, I've watched all the cartoons and stuff and and i just feel like the most recent film did capture that tragic hero of like you know it, it was all trying to do the right thing you just try to save the world and the world doesn't love you back for it and it's just like wow i can relate to that like you just it's like it's like the ultimate culmination of no good deed goes unpunished Mm -hmm. and and especially like you said it's like damn he's just a kid yeah yeah i think i mean it's definitely for for this one when they uh like casted tom holland also because he's the one who looks he's like the youngest they've casted Mm -hmm. to play in live action movies so it did, you know, it just seems like you're more aware of it that like, oh, yes, this person is in high school or he's about to go to college or if he's going to go to college and all that stuff. And um, also, yeah, the animations, I have to go back and watch those just because you like brought them on. The, like, I know you, Brendan's been watching them recently. I'm like, oh, they're so good. Yeah. That's what I did during COVID is I rewatched the whole 96 the Spider-Man. They're so yeah. good. Yeah. 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 And also, the, like, the new movies and the old stuff, they're always, Spider-Man, I always feel like it's very visually pleasing. Mm. Like, of course, like, the, the you know, the recent film is just unbelievable. Yeah. It looked, it was the other thing I love about Spider-Man is, like, in, in a way, for all the superheroes, he's, like, the most human, because, like, he gets beat up a lot. Yeah. Like, other superheroes, like, they just, like, kick the villain's ass, and, like, Spider-Man is always, like, just about <laughs> to, like, get his ass beat. Yeah. Yeah, true, true, true. Yeah. Yeah, something about, like, like, like the underdog is, like, people, like, always love rooting for the underdog, especially when, like, the underdog is someone that they actually, like, like and, you know, can relate to in some way. We need a Bernie Sanders uh, superhero comic, I think. is, is Hell like, yeah. I think I think we need Bernie to show up in the next Spider-Man comic and then just whoop some Green Goblin ass. <laughs> you, I dig it. You, it's the future. You uh, end up winning the uh, Democratic nomination for president. Who's playing at your uh, campaign concert? Oh, oh. Uh, Immortal Technique. Immortal right. Technique. Does anybody know who that is? No. He's like, oh man, he's yeah. hardcore. He's hardcore. <laughs> I, I've actually Tom Steyer level. <laughs> it, it would it would be someone like that, like Killer Mike, uh, Rage Against the Machine. Like um, I'm gonna have a uh, Public Enemy. Like oh, yeah. oh man, we're going we're gonna the establishment is not gonna enjoy my. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yo, that's a great platform for Ron. Like uh, guys, just vote for me. If anything else, you're gonna get a dope festival with a lot of great music all playing the same day. <laughs> 
Yeah. What are, What are some of your like your uh, ambitions for the future and like things like things like places that you see yourself going or places that you want to see yourself going? Well, you know, I guess I'm. My dream was always to like be involved in Hudson County politics, right? And at to a degree, I, I guess I sort of like my dream has come true, right? And the aspiration now is to get policies that help people. Like to me, my dream is like if I could cancel student loan debt tomorrow and get Medicare for all tomorrow, like that would be great. Mm-hmm. Um, until then, I'm I'm basically helping everybody that I can who wants to get those things. So I want to put more people on. I want to bring y- more younger people into the into the political thing. I want to get more people voting. I want to build a base of support amongst leftists, like a true voting block that the machine is afraid of and that can get people elected. And then hopefully, maybe one day I'll try again for office at some point. You know, like that may be in the cards if if it's something that you know I think I would be a good fit for. I definitely would like to try again i have a lot of policies that i really want to fight for affordable housing um getting transportation fixed around here like this is too big of a transportation hub for our like transportation to be based off like these little buses like mostly driven by undocumented immigrants who like get paid minimum wage you know and there's just so much more that we deserve as a people and as a country that i want to continue to fight for like I'm a policy nerd, so I could go. I could probably go on for hours and hours just telling you like policy after policy that I really love to get done. Like I want to get um, public financing for elections. I want to get big money out of politics. I want to get, um, you know, let's talk about some cool shit like civil asset forfeiture. I want. I want that gone. Like I, I definitely yeah. want cannabis legalized. Everybody hates like, that. <laughs> like, like, and I want cannabis like legalized in a way that's like for real like the way alcohol is legalized Mm, right like that's what we're talking about um i actually just want to see the war on drugs end period i want to see mass incarceration come to a screeching halt the school to prison pipeline i want to go away there's just so so much that i want to fight for and having had the impact that i had in the in the last race definitely showed me that it's not a short-term thing. Like, these changes don't happen in two or four years. These are things you hammer at for a long periods of time, and hopefully at some point you get those results. Mm. Uh, you are a young candidate, so this means that you're going to be around when it's possible cryptocurrency takes over. What, it, what are your thoughts on cryptocurrency and how, like, policy is going to be dictated? What's going to move forward with that? Is it going to just disappear tomorrow like a lot of the older generation says it's going to? <laughs> hodl. Hodl hard. Uh, uh, I, I don't know. You know, crypto is something I'm really interested in, actually. Um, not just because of the political stuff, but, like, in my career, I do anti-money laundering on a day-to-day basis. So I'm super, super, super into crypto. I've been more into, I've been into crypto for longer than anybody in my industry has been into crypto because my industry is a bunch of older people. Um I actually have more hope for blockchain specifically because I think that the way crypto operates now is more like the stock market, right? Like you're getting into an asset and you're hoping that it appreciates over time. And that's cool. And that's super interesting. And I'm sure that there's a ton of money to be made there. But I think that the blockchain technology has like more long lasting, like I think blockchain could in a way revolutionize the way that we do things um not just monetarily but like a supply chain um even like i think i I see a a world where like we monetize social interactions or you let's say i had a friend think about this in the who created the newark water coalition imagine you created social currency and you gave people sort of like a crypto key and you could trade those keys in for a good in his example would be water because in newark they were having this lead in the water crisis so you do good deeds for people and they would give you a crypto key and then you could take Mm. the crypto key Mm. to this store or whatever and you could get free water Mm. see what i'm saying so i i I feel like the world can be changed i I, i'm not so skeptical i don't think crypto will disappear tomorrow i'm just not i'm not all the way there yet Mm -hmm. uh i did see uh with your money laundering background uh you were involved in some pretty important stuff right in the past do you want to get into any of those cases that you were on and what you uh dug deep into for the people at home who have kept around because they freaking love politics (laughs) (laughs) yeah so um 
in my career, I've done a couple investigations. So the Panama Papers might be some that your audience has heard of. Um, there was something called Lava Hato or Operation Car Wash in Brazil that took down a politician by the name of Lula that a lot of leftists know about. Um, the Russian laundromat was another one that we handled, which was like a, a bank out of Estonia that was laundering a bunch of Russian mafia money. So basically, um, any international money laundering scandal that you may have heard of, um, Odebrecht is another one that people may have heard of, um, where, or uh, Mossack Fonseca, I, yeah, I think that was that one was the Panama Papers. Basically, any... Um, international scheme where you find a bunch of corrupt people moving money uh i've had a little bit of uh a hand in because essentially these things hit hit the news just like you know and it'll come up on my desk and and i'll have to investigate certain people and all the banks i've worked at have been international banks and they move money across uh countries so everywhere i've worked they always have some financial transactions that were involved in these scandals and you have to do a lot of work on this stuff. I, I can say that I've worked with the feds. I've had to give information on people up to the feds finding scandals that stretch from Algeria to Germany to South Africa, all across the globe. Estonia was another one. Um, and you're basically just trying to track down the money. Like, where is the money going? Where did it come from? Who are these people? And sometimes, you know, the answer is not a good one. Yeah, no, I, I was going to say, it feels like you uh, tracked down Marty Bird. You, you tracked down anyone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel like we need more uh, people who specialize in money laundering in politics, find so, get rid of some corruption, uh, move us a little bit further towards uh, transparency and like the budgets being used in a way Correct. that they go to the right places. No. no, definitely. And and I thought that that was one of the big things. Like, that's why anti-corruption was one of the big issues of the campaign is because, you know, that's what I do for a living. And I, you know, I track the money in my day-to-day -day job. I wanted to be able to do that in the federal government and hopefully get some of those corrupt people who fund our government out of that game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Heather, it sounds like you, like you definitely have, like, have a passion for helping people and like people like you know like doing as much as you can for other people is there anyone in your in your life that has kind of inspired you to think and act that way whether it's like someone you've worked with or like a family member or just like someone that you've like, like made like a, like a like a historical figure yeah i would say like in my personal life like uh my grandmother and my father who are no longer with us now but you know, I think that they both, they grew up poor. My grandmother was from the Dominican Republic. My father was from Honduras. They never had a lot of money. They just sort of, like, had the clothes on their back and, like, their strength of, in their hands. So, you know, what they had is all they had. And you learn to be kind to people in that situation. You, you find that, you know, but for, you know, you could be there, but for a stroke of luck. So... You know, if you're in a position where you can help somebody and it doesn't cost you anything, I, you know, sometimes you come across people who kind of like revel in not doing the bare minimum to help somebody else. Mm -hmm. But to me, it's like if it doesn't cost me anything and like I'm not going to be hurt by it, I don't it doesn't hurt me to help you. And I definitely learned that from my grandmother and from my father who grew up poor and who saw a lot of people who needed a lot of help and you know, help wasn't always willing to come. And, you know, you're always grateful for that person who's willing to show kindness, you know, when you're in a moment of weakness. So those people definitely, you know, my family definitely had a big impact in, you know, my personal moral philosophy and, you know, just like my basic outlook on life. So I would, I would 100% credit them to, for the person I am now. Word. Well, I'm just going to check back in if there's anyone you want to add to your list before we uh, wrap up the, the evening. Do you mm. want to know how many you have so far? Yes. Right, so you, <laughs> yes, definitely. Currently, you sit at a 13, so feel Ooh. free to add more that to your That could be list. a lucky or unlucky number, depend on we do have people who will like settle at a certain score just because they're like that's a good number that's a number that is lucky <laughs> yeah, for you. So, so yeah you some people yeah don't want to settle on whatever number they my lucky to. number is 15 so i gotta think of mm. two more wait why right? is your lucky number 15 
I was born on the 15th. Oh, I was born on January 15th, so I've always oh. gravitated toward that number. Happy belated um, Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so my last two uh, Hudson County politicians are going to be Nick Sacco and Tom DeGeese. Very good, very good. Nick, Nick Sacco is who I like to call the king of corruption. He's the mayor of uh, North Bergen. He was <laughs> he's a he's a teacher who simultaneously he wait he's the mayor of North Bergen who simultaneously held down five jobs and retired from the board of education of North Bergen with a million dollar payout for all his unused vacation time. Wow. Oh, and Tom DeGeese is the guy who had me arrested for protesting, out, protesting out outside his house to free the undocumented immigrants that are held in ICE detention in Hudson County. Well, yeah. there you have it, guys. Um, no, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. I just had something that came to my mind, but it might it might have just slipped my mind. I forgot what it was already. We'll try and grasp it. Yeah, no, we'll grasp it back. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, well, well, while we ask if there's any last uh, thoughts, um, you have to have to do you have anything that you are uh, like anything that you want to plug or anywhere that you want like people can find you or anywhere that you want to send people and say, hey, this is where you need to be putting your eyeballs right now. Awesome. So yeah, I mean, anybody who wants to follow me on social media, I'm at Oseguera2020 on Twitter, my last name 2020. Um, for now, we are organizing the 8th district for the upcoming primary. So um, there are two progressive candidates. Uh, one is David Ocampo, who is a young, uh, young guy who recently came to the district and is sort of like a new face on the scene. If people like him, they can check him out. The other candidate is Ricardo Rojas, who was my campaign manager when I ran in 2020. They're both great guys. I invite everybody to look at their platforms and decide who you want to go with. Right now, I'm more for the movement. So there's the Progressive Democrats of Hudson County. Go to their website and you can get involved. There's the Hudson County Progressive Alliance, who also does a lot of local work. And I will also join the board of Force the Issue New Jersey which is a group that creates uh, digital tools for progressives to organize. So check out any of those three orgs. They're doing great work in Jersey, and we would love to have anybody who is down for some leftist politics. Cool. Thank you. Sounds great. How are you finding time to do all this? You're a new dad, right? I How's am that a been? new father. Yeah, my daughter is six months old. She's amazing. She's got a lot of personality. And yeah, you know, it, it's it's a lot of hard work. But like I said, if, if you're truly doing what you love, it's not work at all so you know my daughter's super cool she's super chill she likes to listen to me ramble about politics and she <laughs> listens very intently and doesn't mind whatsoever so she's my greatest supporter so far uh, yes. that's adorable. oh that, that's a great note to end on thank you so yes. much Hector, for thank being our everyone. guest i feel a thousand percent smarter from having been there listening <laughs> to you um and thank you everyone out there for listening to sessions of mary jane uh you know we're here every single week so you can always find new podcasts uh, also, listen to The Morning Shower, which is our news joke podcast that we have during the week. Uh, we might have some new additions to it, so keep an eye out for that. And we also got like a lot, you know, we're always posting videos. We're doing a bunch of stuff. We got a new short film coming out soon. So yeah. keep following Late Night Hum all over the place. Just Google it in your free time. When you're studios.com. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, keep on doing whatever you're doing that's doing good for you. <laughs> Peace, Peace